Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. This is a rather special episode, this one, because later on in the second half of the show, I go to the London concourse to see some of the coolest classic cars in the universe. I get to talk to Johnny Smith and Richard Porter, who is nice that? to have them. Who's yeah, Richard you've heard Porter? of them. I remember him. But you remember these voices. Alex Goyzog, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. How are you, boys? Hi, I'm good, thanks. I'm tired and my voice is going, so sorry if I sound like I've been smoking a thousand cigarettes a day for the last, I don't know, thousand years. Because you probably have. Mm, less than a thousand. <laughs> but yeah, I've been at Le Mans. You lucky man. Oh, you lucky boy. I haven't been at Le Mans, fortunately, but I had a good weekend following the race along at home. It was a hell of a race, though, wasn't it? Hey, hey, hey! I get it. No, that was a proper race. Yeah, right up until the very end, we didn't know who was going to win. You know, and how many leaders were there? Nine or ten, I think. Is that what it was? It? I remember at one point in one short ten-minute section within the first couple of hours, Ferrari led, Toyota led. Peugeot-led, Cadillac-led. I know, extraordinary. Job done. Yes, it just looked like such a lovely day, apart from those little spells where it bucketed down. I'm sure Alex can tell us more about that, but packed grandstands, you know, huge crowd. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. You know, just a shame that I had to follow it along on TV at home with my own, you know, cobbled together entertainment. But yes, it was fantastic. Yeah, I did the same. Watched it on television. I watched the first seven hours... And then decided to go out clubbing, went out for a bit of a dance, came home at three o'clock in the morning, nice. and watched another two hours with Tycho until five in the morning, and then hit the sack, woke up at 11 and watched the final few hours of the race. But Alex, you were there. I was there, and it was great. Yeah. As you are both well aware, though, however, when you're there, keeping up with what's actually going on on the circuit is nigh on impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it really is. Yeah. It's a trade-off. Even with my magical, what was it Richard used to say, my magical ivory tower with screens and updates from a person appearing going, this is what's happening in the race. Almost impossible to keep a proper handle on what's going on. But it was just incredible. Like the whole thing, the atmosphere of it, because I haven't been to anywhere near as many you guys have. But I think I worked out this is my sixth, maybe seventh. Well done. And the atmosphere... I think that qualifies you as a veteran. Well, I've done 6% of every Le Mans, which is... (laughs) 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 I met someone over the weekend who is a sports car journalist whose name I completely forget, who worked out he's done 30% of all the Le Mans. Wow. Wow. At least this year, it's pretty easy to work out the maths on that Mm. calculation, you know. Yeah, 800 hours of Le Mans, 30% of 100 times 24 hours. I think I did that right, didn't I? I calculated that. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah, that sounded like something. I'm not Carol Vorderman. That's someone else I worked with. Yeah. Alex, tell us about the drive over. You went in a, now was it a GT, an R, an S? But I know it was an Alpine A110. I was in a lovely little Alpine A110. I was in a GT, so soft and squidgy, but with the extra power, with the extra grunt. I think the last year I went over in the very, very base one which was a bit stripped out and it had the lower power and i was driving solo as well the sound system was a bit naff and i was a bit tired by the end of it but this one the gt is just a really lovely little car it's comfy it's smooth you can blast down the auto route if you want to weirdly not that many cops this time which was quite pleasant we drove down on the thursday this year rather than the friday so i had to pick up accreditation and alpine was revealing its hypercar contender for next year on the friday so we had to be there for that it was properly mega there were a few little convoys going down we bumped into the ferrari uk convoy so i saw a couple of colleagues in a puro sangue which i still maintain is a really dubious name considering the climate at the minute yeah (laughs) a fair point actually yeah point i'm not really on board with that there was also an spf 90 keep the sun off your face puro sangue means thoroughbred doesn't it pure blood thoroughbred pure blood literally which as alex says has uh, extremely difficult connotations oh dear it's a bit shady not a huge (laughs) fan of that but hey ho to be fair i'm sure that's not what they were intending no 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 no, but anyway it looked good like i've not seen one in the metal before it's a hulking great thing but they've done that thing that every suv does where the lower cell is black so it really hides a lot of the weight Mm. but it's a hugely imposing thing it's gorgeous absolutely gorgeous good lord that thing is stunning anyway yeah drive down was lovely got to the circuit for the kind of i think the tail end of hyperpole on the thursday night so watch cars blast by in the dark 
which was mega. Got my first taste of the Camaro. Oh. Because Alpine, bless them. If you remember back in the bad old days when I met you guys, Audi had all the monoliths around the circuit. And now Audi's gone. Mm. There's none of that. So everyone's kind of got their own. And Alpine's monolith is right at the pit exit. So start, finish straight, right to the piss exit, where the big Michelin timing stick thing is. It's right there. So I was stood on their balcony, pointing a camera down, watching all these cars getting ready to go. The hypercars, to be in the presence thereof, just incredible. The Ferraris look beautiful. They look elegant. I adore the Porsche liveries. I like the fact that each one of them has different coloured headlights. Mm. The number six car has purple headlights, which I saw. I think there's a picture on my Instagram of the purple one from on high, which I'm particularly pleased with. Number five was blue. And the other oh, one's orange or green or something. Anyway, uh, but the Peugeots, they look really proper. I know they didn't quite do the business this year, but they look amazing because they've not got the big wing, which was a point of contention at their press conference on Friday evening because they don't have the big wing. They just kind of look lower and wider and meaner. And the headlamps, the slatty headlamps and slatty rear lamps, it's so imposing. I was about to mention that. I love the fact that these things are purpose-built vehicles. They're only designed to operate they don't have to look beautiful but Peugeot went to an awful lot of trouble to paint on top if you like a kind of an aesthetic they're using the lights to create the Mm. Peugeot claws like you say like on the front headlights and on the rear like it's been torn by three claws you know the Peugeot lion it's beautiful well done avant-garde Peugeot it's a very strong look yeah yeah it is on a slight tangent but it's entirely relevant you know how in the village and around them on there's lots of activities going on around the vehicles around the cars around the mm. race yeah 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 yep. mainly drinking but there is but a car involved drinking, often. Yes, but the, yeah. the manufacturers like fire some stuff up occasionally so you know peugeot does a lego technic version of the 9x8 yeah they were doing I over 24 well. hours over 24 hours they built a life-size 9x8 out of lego well i saw that on tv the whole thing yeah and they finished with four hours to spare or something didn't yeah they? i mean i, I popped yeah. in to see it on the saturday morning at about 8 30 and the guys were still going they had nine hours left to go and it was incredible. It was so cool because mm. they had they had a real one or a model of a real one, but life size next to it, and he had all these guys in Lego T-shirts like gluing bits together. It was so so cool. And they did it as Zog will testify in the right colour. Zog, did you build one in grey? I did pick up a Lego Technic 9x8 to build during the race, and about an hour in, I started going on it, and I did not finish the build during the race uh, i got about a third of the way in if i remember you also had a bottle of wine and some very fine camembert to enjoy so i you did know, yeah, <laughs> other stuff going on i i did have, yeah there was thank you alex thank you for your understanding there there was other stuff going on but more than that i realized that i was just spending a bit too much time trying to find another tiny little plastic piece inside yeah. another bag and not looking at the race yeah Exactly, yeah, yeah. And I thought maybe this wasn't the best use of my time. But that said, I love Lego. I love Lego Technic. And this was a great model. I ended up with you know a very satisfying engine and rear suspension and components around that part of the car. And it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of mechanical beauty. So yeah, if you're tempted by the Lego Peugeot hypercar, you're not sure whether to pull the trigger on it, go for it. You'll love it. I'll get mine finished later this week, I think. I think the car looked a lot more handsome in its original grey rather than the centenary paint scheme. You say that, it does look mean and angry and it's grey, but this was one of the most colourful Le Mans Mm -hmm. I've been to because the top-end cars, you know, previously Audi's been grey and white, or I think they did a red one. Porsche Porsche did black, white and red. Yeah, yeah. Toyota is white and black, yeah, white and red, black, and silver. And red. Yeah, yeah. This year, the Porsches had that amazing multicolored livery that people apparently it's quite polarizing. Apparently, I adored it. Ferrari were yeah, red and yellow. Peugeot had that really bright color scheme, but it meant when you saw the cars coming down, either on a screen in the distance or when you were kind of at the track edge and you cast away, you could see what it was. Yeah, you mentioned the Porsche lights thing. I mean, that is a stroke of genius because yeah. particularly at night it's so much harder to tell the cars apart yeah. yeah, unless you know that they're running one, two or three in the category and you can look for the lights on the side of the car. I jumped into their pit garage. One of the last things I did before I left on Sunday, I jumped into their pit garage just to have a bit of a nose really and text a friend you work for any chance I can come and have a look? And above each of the cars in their pit is an LED strip that corresponds to their headlight colours. Oh. And their driver's helmet box things 
each of them I have the colour of the headlights in them. Oh, that's nicely integrated. Well done, Peugeot. I strolled past Andre Lotterer's helmet box and it was lit up purple. It was great. Fantastic. Uh, Andre Lotterer has a purple helmet, you're saying? Moving swiftly on. Yes, yes, yes. The box he keeps it in. Um, I have a picture of it. I'll send it to you. Well, listen, uh, while I'm being smutty... DMs only, please. Here's one. Why were the first few hours of Le Mans like lying in a bed after sex? Don't know. I'm not going to rise to that one. The answer is you've got to be careful of the wet patches, right? Because that's what caught them all out, wasn't it? They started slipping and sliding, peeping and hiding. As segues go, Gareth, I'm delighted and a little bit disgusted. That was beautiful. <laughs> um, thing is we were promised and i was checking the weather app i was promised torrential rain and thunderstorms all weekend we were like friday's going to be nice saturday sunday going to be absolutely gross however that wasn't entirely the case so the bits you saw on telly with the cadillac and the 911 spinning and which was epic around the paddock around the pits there wasn't that much rain there was a bit of drizzle and there were a couple of moments of proper chucking it down but then as quickly as it came it went Mm -hmm. the rest of the circuit yeah miserable and horrible but it wasn't as bad as we were expecting so i had waterproof cagoules i had waterproof shoes waterproof everything i had everything double bagged and and prepped just in case my cameras got soaked it was potentially jazzy but actually it turned out okay i take a wetsuit with me to le mans just in case yeah yeah, it caused chaos, didn't it? Yeah, oh. Yeah, the couple of times when it came down, particularly it was uh, near the Porsche curves in particular, where there was cars were just skating off. And then the extended safety car periods that followed all that was a bit of an interruption to the race. Well, more than a bit. You know, you had really quite long periods of trailing around behind the safety car and then sorting the order out. So, it, you know, it's good that when they got back to the racing that it was as good as it was, that we mm. had the race that we did, because there were a good few hours of thumb twiddling and trailing around behind safety cars. Yeah, there was a lot of safety car action, wasn't there? And I'm wondering if this influenced the result, because the way that they manage the safety cars at Le Mans this year is different to how they've done it before, don't they? They group the cars yeah. against three. What was that? I tried to decipher it via Twitter, and Hazel Southwell, who is one of the smartest most sport brains I know, was like, I don't know. And if Hazel doesn't know... <laughs> well, my understanding of the justification for switching to this new arrangement, this new safety car system, is that deploying three safety cars whenever there was a big incident would tend to randomly disadvantage some teams too much because what would happen would be that you'd be three or four seconds behind the car ahead but because of where the safety car comes out you know you just miss the cutoff Mm -hmm. and you end up behind safety car number two Mm -hmm. and the car that you were three or four seconds behind previously and chasing hard and were having a proper race with that car is suddenly behind the safety car that's ahead of your train on the field they get to catch up to the end of that train of cars so they end up a third of a lap ahead of you just because the safety cars have been deployed and that was happening a bit too often to too many teams and there was a feeling that that was a problem that needed addressing. And, you know, I can see that is a problem. If two or three times over the course of your race, you've been set back a third of a lap because of a bad break with the safety car, yeah, that's made a big difference to your race. But the trade-off, as we saw this year, is that you get much longer periods behind the safety car while they're sorting that whole order out. Sorting things out. Yeah, yeah, that's the upshot of it. It was... Difficult to follow during those moments, but, you know, they have their reasons for running it that way. Oh, my new favourite thing, my new favourite thing from Le Mans, you know, Eduardo Freitas, Freitas. Who, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who is the clerk of the course, you might say, runs the event. A chap who I follow on Twitter called Adrian Michael Reese did a brilliant impression of Eduardo doing some comedy. So this is my new favourite voice because his voice, let's see if I can do it now. I'm going to try and do my version of it. It's... Um, is very low and very, very calm. This is race control. All the cars will line up behind the safety car and it will happen in four minutes. Four minutes. Now, that's the voice I want to hear when Russia launched a nuclear attack on London. I mean, it'll be the last voice. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. (laughs) I want Eduardo to go. Okay, the missiles are on their way. 
Go and get in the bunker and kiss your ass goodbye. Okay, Eduardo says I will do it. That was pretty close. That reminded me, one little takeaway from this year's race for me was apparently, and this is from Freitas, Apparently, during lockdown and some of the virtual Le Mans that they'd been running, he was so impressed by the way that the teams and the organisers had been able to use Discord, uh, yes! Discord messaging service, to communicate between the organisers and the teams, that they've made that a part of running the race for real. And so yeah. a lot of the communication, the notifications to teams, teams notifying the organisers of whatever it was they wanted to let them know about, whether it was, you know, telling on another team that had done something that they didn't approve of or thought might be dodgy or this is all happening on Discord so well done to Freitas for being well up to speed with contemporary media data tools I was full of joy when I heard that because the idea of Le Mans which is right at the cutting edge of motorsport using a if you like proprietary system for communication is really cool rather than trying to build it themselves from scratch and the next thing is you know will it be edward de Freitas on tiktok or maybe twitch where he's playing a wec game we get to hear him this is very difficult but you can watch me drive this corner edward Freitas. i love his voice yes there is no safety card on forza motorsport it is fine. <laughs> a couple of things I noticed over the commentary. Yes, I listen to Radio Mon. Of course you do, Radio Le Mon. But I also watched a lot of the Eurosport commentary using Lee Diffie, who is the guy who hosts IndyCar on NBC. Everything's quite cheerful and it's easy to understand. He's really good. And I thought he did a terrific job. Really terrific job. He was mispronouncing quite a few names, though, I think. He did. He kept saying Giovanazzi as opposed to Giovanazzi, which is the correct one. And Luik Deval, I think. Oh, uh, really? I missed it. Yeah. And uh, Rachel Frey, I think. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oops. I like the fact that he had my old mate Lena Gade sitting alongside him, oh, who she used great. to run the yeah. Audi team. She was so on top of it. Brilliant mm. broadcaster. Very, very pleased to see that. I got a mention on Radio Le Mans. I saw. Yeah, yeah I sent it to you. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which made my day. I didn't expect it. I thought I'll send one off saying, hello, give us a wave. And fair play, John Heindorf said hello. And I jumped up and down on the sofa here like my favourite team had won. You know, the best possible thing that can happen at Le Mans is either you get a mention from John Heindorf or your favourite team wins, which is what happened. I said, do you remember in the last show, I'm back in the Ferraris, but specifically the number 51 Ferrari. You did. And Zog, you said, well, I'd like Porsche to win, but for Ferrari to win the 100th would be an epic thing. I couldn't be happier. You couldn't be happier, perhaps unless Porsche got to number two. But who was the star of the show? In your opinion, boys, of all the things going on, what's the headline of the race this year? You. Well, Ferrari wins on return to Le Mans. Yeah. You know, that's it. Actually, my star of the show, Ferrari winning Le Mans, obviously historic victory, been half a century, the Camaro. Uh, well, there yes, you go. Absolutely. The Camaro. Oh, how we laughed when they said, oh, yeah, we're bringing a NASCAR to Le Mans. We're like, whatever, can't turn right. Not only did it successfully turn right and left quite amazingly well, it did so faster than the GTM cars. Yeah, yeah, three seconds or so. And every time it went by, you knew it was coming because it sounded so incredibly naughty. <laughs> it was louder than everything else. It was this big lumpy thing. It was somewhere on Twitter, if you find a photographer called Jamie Price... He took this brilliant picture of the pack, the hypercars up front, there's the LMP2s, there's the GTMs, and then there's this massive lump of Camaro just in it the It is middle. massive, isn't it? It's, it was it, it's huge. a wall. It did ever so well to maintain any sort of pace on the Mulsanne straight, really, and then get the brakes under control and make the chicane. And the noise it made, because we yeah. were saying in the last episode that, oh, the Corvettes, the mid-engine Corvettes, don't sound as good as when they were front-engine. But in that NASCAR Camaro, that sound, that big sort of brown, yeah. is what it says as it goes by brown. Yeah, and 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 uh, Jensen Button was having an absolute blast driving it. You know, he obviously, <laughs> yeah, he was a happy boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to pick up. Is it GB fans? I saw this on a couple of places, a couple of websites saying, "Oh, Jensen Button's debut at Le Mans." No. Oh no, it flipping isn't. He drove that BR racing car in LMP1 a few years ago. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Q. Yeah. Pathetic, isn't it? A Q. Also, I got behind Rexy during the race. I have to say, the livery on that car was so fantastic. This is the Tyrannosaurus Rex-inspired look. Yeah, that was cool. It was. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. You can recognise it every time, you know. Yeah. That's useful. Yeah, shame they didn't make the podium. Yeah, but they were leading for a while. They were scrapping for the lead. There was a good fight in GTEM. I was also following Michael Fassbender during the race. I really wanted him to get a good result. Of course. You know, he's genuinely into his racing and he's taking it seriously. It would be great to see him actually get somewhere with it rather than be regarded as, you know, this actor who's doing it on the side. And on Sunday morning, when I got up and I tuned into the race, one of the first things I did was, let's see where Fassbender is. You know, and almost as soon as I'd done that, I saw a grey Porsche spinning out of a corner into a barrier and that was the end of his race. It's not cause and effect, but it was unfortunate timing. I think Le Mans being so hard, so difficult to even finish, let alone perform well at, is the reason that the whole race is perhaps, um, oh my gosh, I can only think of the Welsh word, parhai, persist. Isn't that weird? The reason that Le Mans has persisted for 100 years because people keep coming back and, oh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And they keep trying, don't they? If you have a bad year, it guarantees that you come back. Um, I'm saying this because Toyota are going to be very miffed at the moment. They didn't say it publicly. They said it very carefully, but they were disappointed in the final balance of performance for the hypercar class. They carried 37 kilograms. I think the Ferrari carried 24 kilograms. Yeah. yeah. And this is what they do. They do it every year, but I think Toyota felt it was a little unjust. Actually, I think wasn't that weight balance the previous BOP balance and they did a further tweak at the last minute. I'd have to look back on the detail of that. Was it an extra it 10 the, or something? I, I, yeah. I'm not sure, but Toyota were clearly unhappy with, and yeah, they hinted at it. They hinted uh, as much. Although the regulations actually mean that they cannot explicitly say this. You will be sanctioned yeah, if, you, if you explicitly say, we think that's an unfair BOP. But yeah, they were clearly not happy with the last minute tweak. And I mean, I don't know, for the last third of the race or so, Toyota and Ferrari had a very close fight for the lead. Now, on the face of it, that looks like they got the balance of performance about right. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we don't see behind the curtain. There's a bit of a question mark there, but we certainly got to see a very exciting race. Yeah, there seems to be more action in the top class car on car this year than we've ever seen. And I'm happy with that as a punter. So, sorry, Toto, that's how it works. I do feel for them. I wish them well next year. I tell you what, though, the joy of hearing the Italian national anthem, Fratelli Italia, being played at the end when the drivers of the 51 car and the others were on the podium. And it was the full version played by a real band, including that long, complicated introduction, the instrumental bit, before they start singing. Mm. But it reminded me that for the last few years, the anthem that they play at Le Mans for the winner has been Kimi Gayo, which is the Japanese national anthem, which is a very somber and sincere and almost mournful piece of music which is kind of nice but the joy of ferrari winning made it for me it was wonderful great moment yep looking forward to next year ford mustang in gt3 we've got new hypercars lamborghini are coming lamborghini bmw's coming uh, and uh, alpine we were ushered into a big box and the covers were taken off the a424 beta 3.4 liter v6 hybrid power it will be exactly in line with all of the others albeit engineered slightly differently as it should be it looks incredible it's massive it's got hints of a110 in there with the headlights very good it's got hints of what's to come from alpine the color scheme is stunning i love the headlights i also love if you get a chance to have a look at some pictures the rear lights are the alpine a ah more light detail very Mm. good alpine properly properly cool can't wait to see very 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 good hey i was almost there with you in the moment there i knew you were there alex enjoying it for me and anyone who did go to le mans this year i hope you enjoyed it on our behalf we enjoyed it at home but hey looking forward to next year and we'll be there z a we'll be there won't we that's the plan already making plans don't you worry see you there Alex, Zog, will you say farewell? Bye. Farewell. Au revoir. Very good. Au revoir. That's the right way to do it.
that is the sound of a lovely June afternoon in London. I'm at the London Concourse. You know what a concourse is? Everyone turns up with the most lovely things they've ever seen in terms of motor vehicles and show them off. And people turn up and go, yeah, ah, that, that's nice. Oh, oh, that's nice. Oh, look at, oh, look at that. That's nice. So I've just arrived. But here's a quick taster of the first dozen or so cars arrive here, right? A 1953 Jaguar XK120. Split windshield, low, kind of speedster version. Oh, on. on the opposite side, Alfa Romeo from 1972, a 1300 Ti Julia in green. A 2005 Porsche Carrera GT Zagato. I mean, these are special. Every single one is special. An Alfa Romeo AT Competizione. Yeah, the developed version, as I remember. Um, an Aston Martin DBS in 2009. Seems très ordinaire by comparison. Oh, next to a 1978 Jag XJC V12. Oh, they used to bend in the middle, but they were so lovely. Oh, now there's a Ferrari 488 Vista. And a big old Rolls-Royce Phantom 8. The new one, the 2022 one. Monster cars. Oh, and it's directly opposite. Oh, it's just kind of nice. On the other side of the aisle is a 1935 Rolls-Royce Phantom 2. And it's like the World Stare-Out Competition. Have you ever seen that on YouTube? The World Stare-Out Competition. My mate Phil Cornwell did part of it. Worth looking into. But it's like the World Stare-Out Competition. These two Rolls-Royces are... I don't know, they're quite facing off, but they're heading off at an acute angle. All the other contestants for the winner of the loveliest thing here, I would imagine. They're very impressive, look at that. I just saw a 206 Dino. I didn't say Ferrari, because you know it isn't. Yeah, it's the GT, the 68 GT. That's the one. That's my girl. That's my baby. That's the one of all the cars there are that are from Maranello or somewhere nearby. That's the one for me. The purity of the 206 GT. Oh, it's not Ferrari. It's a Dino. It's a Dino. Ooh, nice old Aston. I thought it was a Bristol for a minute. When's this from? 1952. DB2. Oh, yes. Lots of sheet metal in the front. Very upright. Spoke wheels, shining brighter than Beyoncé's diamond. Oh, and a 300 SL gullwing. 55 in black. MDN6 is the registration. It kind of looks like madness. Highly commended. That's the equivalent of fourth at a dog show, isn't it? I think. Highly commended. And uh, a lovely... Is it, it's not Silver Birch, though, is it? No, it's a DB4. Series 1, but it's not Silver Birch. I think the earlier ones were a bit slow, weren't they? Is that right? Is that right? Did I read that right? Oh, and a Rodan! What used to be the old Lotus chassis. Rodan are selling what they're doing here. New Zealand company who will build and deliver the closest thing you can get to a proper Formula One car from about, I don't know, 15 years ago. It was developed by Lotus initially. They've gone their own way with it, Rodan. I think it's pronounced Rodan. Rodin, it's how it's written if you're Welsh. Rodin. It's not a Rodin. And uh, this one's decked out in something that alludes to the John Player special livery. Yeah. I'm just going to pick out some of the things that leap out to me. Is it Al? Been an A110. Oh! How are you? Good afternoon, Kieran. Have you seen that Peugeot? I haven't seen almost nothing yet, almost anything. Right, there is a Peugeot estate break over there. I took some photos for you and I haven't had time to send them. Oh, right, you know me well. I'm not going to say any more than that. Okay, right. Peugeot break. Peugeot break. Um, Beautiful. A couple of lovely things. You'll see there's a mini, like a mini beach car. You'll like the Matra. There's a Matra one of two beach car. Yes, okay, right? so yeah. I won't spoil yeah, it. Yeah. But also, can I give you a call at some point? I yes, do yes. I want to organise a day yes. where we've got people together and we'll interview you about your cars from okay. back in the day. Deal, done. Right, Kieran, anything for Rockstar's cars. Thank you, mate. Take Love care. it, boys. And go and see that person. I will, oh, yeah. Ta-ra. Right. Uh, 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 <laughs> 1971 Alpine Renault A110, the 1600S. 
that car in that colour, le French bleu, parked next to the Citroen. Oh, we got a French corner here, right? And, yeah, go on. Let's play guess. Concorde de Elegance of all the Citroens. What's it going to be? Park next to the LP. Go on. You have 11 seconds left to guess which one. I know some of you said a day S. I heard that through the mists of time. The answer is, of course, SM. Yeah. In uh, kind of a leafy, ivy green. No, ivy. No, no. It's softer green than that. And you've just got to look at this car now and realise how much was so right everything about the aerodynamics of that car we've seen this style return again and again and again whenever a new company come up with an idea for a car that's ultra efficient it always looks like the SM doesn't it covered back wheels that low profile minimising your frontage your coefficient of drag from the surface area that's the way to do it. Oh, and the, the French, they, of course they love their cars. Everybody loves their cars. But the French have delivered some absolute champions. There's the new Alpine, A110. I think they should have called it something else. I think it should have been the A111. I really do. You know, it's the next one in the line. It's the spirit of the old car, but it's a much bigger car. It's a great car. Fantastic car. There's a Renault Clio, the mid-engine Clio. What was it called? The Clio GT? What did they call it? Clio V6, 2004, in kind of a French military grey. Amazing, amazing. And a Renault 5 Turbo. Oh, and a red Renault 5 Turbo. I mean, just what do you think? Oh, is this a Bagheera? Morena. It's a Morena, isn't it? No, it is an Alpine. Of course it is. Of course it is. It's the 1978... A310, of course. Just for a second, I thought it was a big era. Do you remember that? The Talbot, or what was it before that? Chrysler, Matra, Bagheera. There was the Morena. Which came first? The Bagheera came first, then it became the Morena. A three-seat lightweight thing built by Matra. Um, did you just hear someone say the word Gareth there? I thought I did. There must be another Gareth here. Oh, hi, yeah, my name's Gareth. Oh, uh, little Porsches. Zog, you're missing out on this. I'm hoping he was here yesterday, because this was open yesterday. There's a yellow Testarossa. Oh, the aero car thing. We talked about this. The Layat Heli car from 1921. That idea when we were still working out how propulsion was going to work for vehicles. We thought sticking a ruddy grey aero propeller on the front and a horizontal or a radial motor. Is that a radial or just a horizontally opposed twin? set that off to slice its way through people like something from wacky races i love it i love it okay i've stepped out of the sunlight into the shade to a selection of more aston martins of course aston martin are well represented here of course they are absolutely of course they are that looks like a not sure that's the 5? Yeah, that's the DB5. Look at the DB5, looks good. In that colour. What else have we got here? One of the last classic Land Rovers, Mr Porter, will be happy. Because that's why I'm here. Richard Porter and Johnny Smith, our mates, are doing a live version of their podcast on stage in seven minutes. And I've got to work out exactly where that part of the venue is so I thought I'd come here and just see the cars first there's a GT40 Porsche 911 Carrera more McLarens than you can park tidily oh a flotilla of Land Rovers oh my gosh Richard would adore this a selection of Series 1 a prototype I think what must be the prototype is it the Balmoral 86 the 1954 Land Rover Balmoral 86 lightweights 80 Series 1. There's some Series 3 stuff that... Oh, and they all look so handsome. Oh, utility. Where are they? Integrale alert. Lancia Delta, Integrale, Evoluzione 2. That's the one. I don't want the Uno. I don't want the 3, because uh, that had a catalytic converter on it. I want the 2. This one, nice in yellow. Very good in yellow. Correct of its period. Very Gareth Jones on speed yellow, that is. I'm walking around it. 
Yeah, it's in good shape, this. Well, I think mine would have to be Dragon's Blood Red. Oh, is that a Lamborghini LM300? Yes, it's got to be, because look, it's parked next to an Espada. I love the Espada. Technically a shooting brake. Oh, I've got to find those cars that Kieran was talking about. What was he talking about? I've got a matter of minutes. Oh, all the Lamborghinis are here. Yeah, really, all of them. Morena S, Diablo, Kuntak 500, Diablo SL. There was a limited edition version of the Kuntak, the 500 something or other, Quattro Valvoli. That was it. It's in red. Let your imagination go. Oh, there it is. I found it. Thank you, Kieran. He was right. There is a Peugeot 504 Break Riviera which, in my opinion, is a shooting brake, not an estate car, because it's three-door and based on a coupe rather than a saloon. It meets all the criteria. It's handsome. I think Pininfarina, of course, it was Pininfarina, and you know how I feel about Pininfarina, all their work. Oh, she is so beautiful. Oh, my trousers. I am elated. I'm going to take a picture of this car now that we've come to this. Oh, what else is there? Oh, 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 is that a high... I think I've just seen a... Is it a hyena? It's not hyena. What was a... Oh, I'm going to have a look at that a moment. Hold on, I'm going to get this picture while I'm here because I will miss the moment unless I get the moment. Where's the sun? Outside. It's really nice here. Like a garden party. There's loads of room around the cars. You know, no one is spoiling the shot. Hold on, there we go. Stand by, taking a picture. There it is. That's it for this bit of Gareth Jones on speed and I'm going to find out what this car is before we go a Gavi car Gavi a Zagato Gavi or Javia so this is one of Zagato's alpha based concepts the Ortec Gavia Zagato Ortec that's Nissan underneath there they had a partnership with Nissan I remember back in the day to do that Ortec oh there's a beach buggy as well I'm running outside. I've got to wrap it up and find this show. Otherwise, I'll be very unpopular. And I could do with a drink. I've just spent an hour or more in the company of Richard Porter and Johnny Smith doing the Smith and Sniff podcast live in front of an audience. And I was just enjoying a beer with Richard outside after the show. And I heard what you can hear now. The rumble of V12s, V8s, all the vehicles are start. Not all of them, but many of the vehicles are starting to leave. There goes one of the early Astons now. Let's just hear it. Let's just hear it. Hang on. Yeah, it's all coming from the exhaust. That waffle. That waffle. Oh my gosh. The winner. I've just stumbled across the winner of the London Concourse 2023 Best of Show. It's a Porsche Carrera GT, I think that's what you call it. My lord, you don't see many of those. It's the coupe version. Oh, it's the 962CR. That's what it is, not the uh, Carrera GT. Man alive, that Zogwood approved. There's an XJR15 here as well which is elegant and beautiful. Tom Walkinshaw, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Let's see if I can catch some of the cars I didn't see earlier on. There's an F40, is this an F40? I should know, an Inferina, of course. Yeah, F40, it's got, and a Plymouth Charger with the uh, American football goal rear wing. And is this an Espada? Is this? What is this? Forgive me for not knowing straight away. Let's have a look. Oh, it's a Pantera. It's a Datamasso Pantera. Forgive me for getting that wrong. So, the standard of vehicles here, there's a P1. A McLaren P1 in black with the number 59 on the side. Oh, you know. Oh, there's a Porsche in golf colours. There's an RSR 911. There's a Monteverdi just leaving, 375L. There's a Jensen Interceptor. Do you remember what I was saying earlier on about Series 2 cars being the one? I just bumped into a guy from Koenigsegg, and 
I said to him my theory that the Series 2 is always the one to have, and I mentioned Jensen in there. There's an FF Series 2. Series 2 sorted all the problems of the Series 1, but they didn't start cost-cutting and didn't start compromising because of new safety legal requirements. It's wonderful. It's in a kind of a maroon colour with the registration JFF2J. Is that, what, 1971? I forget now. It's amazing. And this is actually an FF, basically an interceptor with four-wheel drive. But the whole design was a rip-off of the Brasinka Urapuru. Look it up, and you'll go, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Right, there's a BMW 350 CSI burbling away. Listen. Nice. Nice as a Bentley Mulsanne in a golden bronze. Oh, sorry, Continental S in a sort of a golden ochre, bronzy kind of colour. Flipping heck. Every single vehicle here you could spend 10 minutes talking about, couldn't you? Every single one. That interceptor, I'm going to have to take a picture of the interceptor. Right, I'm going to do it now because, come on, you know me. Stand by. Get me phone out. Waiting for the people to clear out of the way. It's gripping podcast, isn't it, boys and girls? Yeah. Clear the frame, brother. Got it. Got it. It's a Corvette Stingray. Was that 67? I'm testing you now, because you know better than me. You have access to this information with the registration USA 318 and it's in silver it looks better polished than a Prince set seriously Prince was polished I think that's it I think I've actually covered all the cars at the London concourse it's what, what sir this one? which one's that? the SM yeah I spotted it earlier on it's the bollocks I said on this podcast about an hour and a half ago yeah. that this is one of the most influential cars in terms of aerodynamics ever. Because yes. you look at any car that's trying to be efficient and modern now, they have the half-covered rear wheel, you have a low profile, you have that sort of back. That is one of the most important cars in the last 100 yeah. years, this, right? This car is still from the future. It's still from the future, yeah. correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the way that the future looked in the past, because yeah. it looked more futuristic than the one yeah. that we're in. What's your name, sir? Lance McCormack. And? I'm Bob. Hello, Bob, Lance. Nice yeah. to meet you, brothers. So, so Enjoying the yeah. art around you? us. You got a podcast or something? I have, yes. What's I've got. It, a, it called, it's called Gareth Jones yeah. on Speed. Okay, like I've, I've been doing it for 19 years, a long time. One of the first. But yeah, there's nothing like the SM. I had a Corgi or a Dinky SM in sort of pink, and I remember coming to the motor show in the early 70s and going up um, escalators and driving it up the escalator, up the well, that, rubber. That I think the guy that's done that has done it very well, because I, I believe that's the original Verajon, yeah. the tobacco leather. But have you seen what he's done inside? No, let's have a look. He's Come put, on. He's put, uh, he's put, he's put uh, lambskin rugs in there. Lambskin rugs in an SM. Is there anything sexier in the universe than that? You can open the door. Oh, brother! You change the colour of the carpet, but look at the, look at those rugs. Look at that. That is deep. Look at the headlining. It's gone. It's gone from black. To I'm going to have a look at the headlining. I wish you could see this. Oh, it's oh, it's tan. It's beautiful. Suede. Can I feel it? It's not suede, but it's, it's feels a, like it's suede. A, the steering wheel is had down in calf. But look at look at this here. That that used to be black. Really, and they yeah. bought it's transparent now. The, the, bloke, the, the rear it. glass. You did it. Well done. Well done. Is that your car? Congratulations, sir. One of the finest cars here. Thank you. I restored that one for him as well. The uh, Fassel Vega. Oh, Vega. You don't see many of those around. A Fassel Vega two. What was there a Fassel Vega Series three? Uh, there was technically yes. But which is the best one? The, the one, Fassel, the two, or the, the three? The two is the best by a mile. It's always the case that the Series 2... I'm talking to the chap who's sitting in the Vega. Is this your car? It is, yeah. 
Can I shake your hand? Yeah, of course. Elegant. Why is it always the Series 2 is the best option, even if there's three series? I don't know the answer to that in all cars. I do know in Facel, and it's because the French started taxing big engines, so they made Facel smaller after the two. Ah, there's always a reason. Is he, is he socialist French, you see? That's a problem. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a bit of socialism, <laughs> said the Welshman. This is just beautiful, not just because it's rare, but because it's just a magnificent bit of engineering so well turned out isn't it it is and beautifully restored by a very skilled craftsman and how long have you owned this car i've owned this car since 2019 your name steve last name groves nice to meet you how did you find it have you always wanted one or what i'd always wanted one and it came up at auction it had been a little unloved for a while following a restoration in the early 2000s and i spent a bit of time checking it out i saw that it had some really good names on the restorers list this chap he restored it in about 2000 well he's done a passable job I'm underplaying it it's holding up isn't it (laughs) well done sir lovely to meet you and pleasure to touch your car nice to meet you fellas see you later man alive our sort of people right people who really care about these things and just because they've got the money to afford the greatest cars in the universe it doesn't mean they are any different from us we buy them as models they buy the full size ones don't they yeah there's a bunch of Aston Martins I need to spend some time with maybe I should get a word with Richard as well should we go and see if Richard is still there sorry dude walking through someone's photograph I'm going to find Richard and talk to him about cars because that's what we do isn't it that's what we do Richard Porter is currently engaged with fans of Sniff and Smith, which means I've got Johnny Smith all to myself. Do you know, we should have a podcast called Alias Smith and Jones. Yes. Really, shouldn't we? We should, we should. I could do it with him. It could be Alias Sniff and Jones. Sniff and Jones. How are you? How's the tour, baby? You're on tour, rock and roll. (laughs) We are, we are, well, I guess we are on tour. Yeah, it's been really good, thanks. I still can't believe they wanted us to come here. It feels a bit odd. This is a very prestigious event. It truly is. It is. It? The clue's in the title. The London Concourse. Yes. This is the only one in the city of London. This is the one, and yeah. everything out there is perfect. You got a favourite? Just before you press record, we were talking about the Fasol Vega. Yes. Which is still a car, I think. It's just a great combo. Elegant, you know, French, beautiful big coupe thing or a convertible with the American V8. It's just, it just works. Yeah, yeah. Don't have to worry about, like, a fussy engine. It's expensive. An Italian engine or yeah. a French engine yeah, of that period. Yeah, engine. It's got power. Yeah. It sounds good. It yeah. looks incredible. Yeah. So with age, I'm starting to like those more and more. And also, the other thing that I like, there's a Zagato-bodied Porsche... Is it Carrera GT? It, yes, it was a Carrera GT. In a, in a really yes. sort of sensible green colour. Yeah, yeah. I really like that car. Which, they've just done a sort of rear deck thing on it, make it a little bit more sort of fastbacky. And we were hanging around earlier on with a guy called Kevin, who is a proper car designer, who most yeah. recently worked at Pininfarina, and before that he's been at BMW, he's been at... Ital design in the 80s. He oh, worked with Shara. Oh, I mean, this guy, he's one of these people who he doesn't, you know, doesn't get big profile stuff, but he he's done has actually, shit. he has got a lot of great work behind him. Yeah, he's done and, some stuff. And he, we were looking at it and I was thinking, I'm not sure about this Carrera GT Zagato. Then he just went, I think I prefer the original. I was like, oh, thank you. An actual <laughs> designer has said they prefer the, the original. Is that the only ever instance of a Zagato version not being as good as the original? Because also, the weird thing is, and we ended up looking at this on our phones just to check, but the original Carrera GT has a sort of double bubble roof, uh-huh. like as a, uh-huh. a Zagato design yeah. would. would so, have done. so they're sort of, it's, it's not already a big there. Leap. So they had nothing so they probably, to do. Yeah, they probably looked at it and went, what do we have to do? Okay. <laughs> Listen, you must be all talked out about cars. You actually must be almost fed up of talking about cars. How many of these have you done now, these live events? That's a good question, Gareth. Um, I can answer this one. 6.2, isn't it? Yeah, so this is technically our seventh, Seventh. but we called it 6.2, so yeah. Yeah. Which was a sort of experiment. Can can I just say, though, that none of this would exist without on speed? Because, (laughs) uh, you know, you introduced me, probably us, to the idea of podcasting. Uh Blame Zog. On speed for years. Yes, I suppose it's it's ultimately Zog's fault. Thanks, Zog. But he did did this thing. On speed was doing car podcasts before 
pretty much anyone else. Yeah, he was, was, was one yeah. of the very first. Yeah. And, well, and so, how, how many numbers? Nineteen years ago, we started. Shit, yeah. yeah, really. And a veteran, that's podcast. Uh, it's impossible, isn't it? But you guys yeah. move it to another level. On Speed was doing, I don't know, the Marquee on Wardour Street. You're doing Wembley. <laughs> well, no, because we did that Wembley. amazing. How many people came to that pub gig that we did? In, 150. Was it? Yeah. That's and a lot that was... in a pub room. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, it was. It was a very, it was a good sort of sweaty gig because it yeah. was quite a back quite rock and roll. vibe. Yeah, well, it was. And we had a band and we did all that stuff. And again, that was a great prototype for this that we didn't realise was, but it proved yeah. what was possible. We were hanging out with someone earlier on who works in radio. And he said, the thing about radio is the same as podcasting. It's a very solo activity. Yeah. You tend to yeah. listen to these things on your own. Yeah. So you do an event like this. Well, you, and and, and I've, of... I've got no friends either. Well, no, 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 no. So, I, don't, I don't have any choice. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've basically we've, got a friend. A friend. All of this is building up to just us having some mates in a room that we, we've never met before. But that's the thing. You see, these people who are doing this solo activity, then suddenly go, oh, I can go and meet these other people, and it proves that it's real, and you're not doing it on your own. I've described on speed as a kind of a support network for those of us who are addicted to cars. Yeah. But I think you've generated a cult. Between you, it it's actually felt like, like being in a cult. Somebody has said this. To Testify me. for me now. People yeah. stand yeah, up and tell yeah. their stories. You know. Well, we did look like sort of TV evangelists on stage. Well, in your blazers. We had blazers and head mics, and then we've had people <laughs> in the room and also before telling us they've bought cars. And afterwards, yeah. I bought cars on your recommendation, and I was like. No, you no. did what? Are you out of your mind? And then we're doing our sort of call and response from transit thing, and people, it, like, there's no delay. You say the word, they say it back, and it does feel like being a cult leader yeah. the nicest possible way. Imagine Freddie Mercury, where he does his head up thing, <laughs> and the crowd, they know. They knew yeah. uh, it happened. It is quite scary. Try it with A, she, or any, any name of any <laughs> car, see what they do. Fiat Uno. Yeah, maybe we should. Listen, Johnny, Richard, it's fantastic to see you, brothers. It really is. Thank I love you. the show. Thanks, if you're Thank listening you to this, coming. go and see her, of course. Why would best, I not? This is the best cross-podcasting. Forget <laughs> <laughs> those influencers all doing that. Pollination. Deeply meta. So it's goodbye from me, Gareth. It's goodbye from Johnny. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Richard. Goodbye. I love you taking your voices, boys. <laughs> really is. For information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>